Amen. Come here, Miss Ware, and say hello to everybody. Please be seated. Here's my bride. Been married to her. We've had, uh, out of 44 years, we've been happy for about six of them. Just te I'm just teasing. <laughs> say hi. Hi. <laughs> I just want to tell you how much we love, 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 love being here. We love this church, and we love your pastor and his wife. I mean, you guys are in the best place in Alaska. You might be in one of the best places in America. I mean, I'm just telling you, the freedom of the spirit here, you're encouraged. You don't have pastors that are down or struggling. I mean, you need to come here and learn how to get life and life more abundantly because that's what the two of them have and that's what they infuse into you. So you are blessed, blessed, blessed beyond measure and wow. I, I'm just telling you, if I lived here, this is where I'd be. Amen? Amen. And don't ever take them for granted. Lift them up in prayer. You have no idea how much pastors and their families need your prayers. They get bombarded constantly by the work of the enemy. And they need you to help hold up their arms in prayer. So do that for them. And then in turn, they will turn around and infuse you with everything that God has for you. Amen. Wally, you look like you just got back from a Caribbean cruise or something. I can tell it's not 14 below because you have a short sleeve shirt on. That's an Alaskan, I guess. But, uh, I mean, I see some of you in sandals. I'm just thinking, where am I? It's sure good to be here tonight. I love your pastor, pastors, Pastor Karen, Pastor Daniel, best in the world, the best. Amen. You know, you said on Sunday night we have a little more time, a little fudge time. I was thinking about Boudreaux and Thibodeau. My, my buddy's down in Louisiana. Anybody know Boudreaux and Thibodeau? Well, Boudreaux and Thibodeau were out hunting. And, uh, and so they got lost. And I mean, Boudreaux said, Thibodeau, what are we going to do? We're lost. He said, well, I always heard when you get lost, you shoot three times in the air. So, so Boudreaux said, okay, I'll shoot three times in the air. About an hour later, he said, hey, nobody's come to rescue us. And Boudreaux was telling Thibodeau that. And Thibodeau said, well, when you shoot three times, they're supposed to come and rescue. Shoot three more times, Boudreaux. So he shoots three more times up in the air. He wastes about another two hours. It's getting dark, and Boudreaux's getting a little concerned. He says, Thibodeau, what are we going to do? He says, just shoot three more times. He said, well, I sure hope they come. I'm down to my last three arrows. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? You want another one? I got them all. I just, I'll give you lots of them. Uh, Thibodeau heard that Boudreaux had a talking dog. So he goes over to his house to, to see about it. And there he is. I mean, sure enough, there was Boudreaux with his dog sitting on the couch. And he said, Boudreaux, he said, I heard you got a talking dog. He said, yeah. He said, well, tell him to say something. Boudreaux looks at the dog. He says, hey, dog, what's up on the roof? He said, what's on top of this house? He goes, roof, roof. Thibodeau said, oh, Boudreaux, that's the oldest joke in the world. He said, well, let me go get you some coffee. So while Boudreaux goes to get some coffee, 
The dog turns to uh, Thibodeau and he says, look, he said, excuse me, I'm a little embarrassed by the juvenile behavior of Boudreaux. He said, I just want you to know I'm, I'm actually more educated than what he says I am. I've been to the best dog training facilities in America. I've served under the last two presidents. I've worked for the CIA. I've saved seven soldiers on the battlefield, and I can drive a car. Boudreaux comes back in with his coffee. Thibodeau said, hey, Boudreaux, you want to sell that dog? He said, yeah, you can have him for a dollar. He said, a dollar? He said, yeah, that dog ain't nothing but a liar. He hadn't done none of those things he said. It gets worse. It just goes downhill. <laughs> Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about being a giant killer. The reason why is because you have some giants in your life. I'm going to share with you the six confessions of a giant killer. And you know, there's no greater story in the Bible than the most iconic. I mean, if you don't know this story, then we're going to have a little Sunday school lesson after this service. But if you don't know about David and Goliath, my favorite of all the stories, that and Noah, you know, I mean, the, the ark and all that kind of stuff. But David and Goliath, I think, is the most iconic, well-known story in all of the Bible. And it's a story about a young man, really he was a boy, who faced a giant and overcame every odd to win a victory. You might just say he had a giant problem. Now, some of you have a giant problem, and not just problems, they are, they are, they are giant problems. Some of you have some giants in your life. You've got those, and you've got to deal with them. And it reminds me, when I think about giant problems, it reminds me of a group of people that were at the zoo, and they were walking by the elephant uh, pen, and they noticed that one of the attendants was sitting on the side crying. And they said, said, what's wrong? He said, well, the elephant died. And they said, well, you must have been really fond of him. He said, no, I've been given the task of digging his grave. He had a giant problem. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> some of you have some giant problems, and I'm convinced that many of you have those things, and they're giant-sized, and, and they keep you awake at night, and they grip your heart with fear, and it might be the giant of cancer. It might be the giant of sickness or the giant of envy or jealousy. It might be the giant of financial issues. It might be the giant of bills or bankruptcy or marriage problems. Maybe right now you're struggling with some giant problems. You might have some of those. They're so huge, you don't think you can overcome them. I mean, the mountains are so big, there's no way that you can go around them. That's in your mind because you've got these giant problems, and there are giants in your life, giant-sized problems. And maybe your giant is someone that's been threatening you. Maybe it's that demanding boss that you have. Maybe it's that, that domineering mother-in-law, the harassing neighbor, or... or <laughs> Or maybe it's that defiant child. Maybe it's a challenge that seems so big that you want to go and run like the Hebrew soldiers did when Goliath rose up. and They were wanting to flee and run for their lives. Maybe it's the debt that you can't pay or the disease that has no cure. Maybe that's a giant in your life. Maybe that giant is some addiction you can't break free from or some disability that there's no way that you can erase it out of your life. Maybe that's the giant that you're facing tonight in your life. These may be those giants. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines giants as something that's big or something that causes you to back up or to make you look. It's, it says it's something that's unusually large and powerful, and it threatens you, and it intimidates you, and it stops you, and sometimes it seems so big and you seem so small. Come on, am I talking to anybody here tonight? Giants. And all of us are going to battle giants in our life, not just 
spiritual ones, but natural ones. And I know that some of you have some natural giants in your life. Heard about a group of residents in a senior citizen's home, and they were talking about some of their natural giants that they had. One said, my arms are so weak, I can't even lift my coffee cup. Another one says, I have, my cataracts are so bad in my eyes, I can't even see the coffee. One, one lady says, the, the arthritis is so bad in my neck, I can't even turn. Another one says, the, the blood pressure pills that I take make me so dizzy. And after a few moments, uh, one of the older men said, well, I guess that's the surprise of getting old. And there was a moment of silence. And then one woman said, but thank God we can all still drive. <laughs> if some of you were there, I already know. I saw you driving into the parking lot. The story of David and Goliath, the story of this young man inexperienced who stepped out in faith and the only the only weapon he had was a rock you know isn't that a great weapon to have as a rock you know of course you talk about the rock Jesus is the rock you can fight any giant with the rock the rock Jesus in the sling of your faith there's no giant can win we need Jesus in our lives. It takes courage to face a giant. It takes courage to face your giants, and you can't be a sucky baby. I like those terms, sucky baby. Some of you are sucky babies. You just suck your thumbs all the time. You know, you whine and complain and moan and all these kind of things, and you've made up your mind. There's no way I can win. Listen, you need to make up your mind tonight. The giant has to go. I've had enough of the giant. Doubt never beats giants. Determinations do. You need to have some determination, and every believer one day is going to have to face their giants. David faced his giant. And maybe today is the day, maybe tonight is the night that you need to face that giant in your life, that giant of addiction, that giant of, of some kind of habit, that giant of sin that you've been dealing with. Maybe this could be your night, and maybe you just need to get enough courage to do it. Maybe, maybe this is the night that the bully is going down. So let me, let me see if I can set this message up for you. I want to I read to you out of... The book of Mark chapter 1 verse 40. I want to show you something that's so amazing. And I think this is the secret weapon that will cause you to, uh, to, to defeat the giants that are in your life. I, and, and I bet you've never seen this before. I want to just read this to you. It says, now a leper came to Jesus imploring him. He said, he was kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The leper came to Jesus. He wanted to be healed. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, be clean. But the Bible, but the Bible says a very unusual thing, and I bet you've never seen this before. It said, as soon as Jesus had spoken, he was clean. Most of us think that when he touched him, he was clean. Listen, Jesus may have touched him, but I don't think anything happened. But when Jesus spoke, can I tell you, this is the secret sauce. This is the secret weapon of defeating your giants. It's the words you speak. It's the things you say. It's what comes out of your mouth. That's the secret sauce. That's the secret weapon that's missing in our life. That's what causes you to have, have your enemy defeated. That's what puts him under your feet. It's the confessions you make. 
When Jesus said it, when he spoke, is when it came to pass. It wasn't when he touched him. It says when he spoke. It's when the leper was healed and delivered. I want you to notice something here. It wasn't until Jesus declared that the leprosy that wanted to stay had to go is when it went. It was the words. When you're fighting hidden giants, I'm talking about the intangible giants, the ones you can't touch, the ones that you can't seem to feel, the ones that, 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 you, that, you, that they're overwhelming you. I'm talking about the giants that are breathing down your neck, breathing down your throat, the giants that are tormenting you, whispering defeat into your ears. I mean, there, there, there isn't much you can do to them because you can't fight them with your hands. You can't see them. You can't feel them. I mean, you can't, you can't fight depression. It's not, it's not something you put your hands on. You can't fight rejection. You can't fight disappointment. You can't fight uh, uh, loneliness or pressures or stress or habits. I mean, it's hard to fight disease because you can't see it. It's hard to fight pain because you can't get your hands on it. These are the giants that are in our life. So what do you do when you have some of these kind of giants in your life? How do you slay these kinds of giants? The secret sauce, the secret weapon is your words. It's what comes out of your mouth. Now, this is going to be a revelation for most of you, but if you can get this one thing in your life, your life will change forever. And giants may never have a hold on you for the rest of your life. One of the greatest ways you can conquer giants is not what you do to them. It's what you say to them. You know, Jesus said this. He said in in Mark 11, he said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Are you getting this? I have this, I have this watch, this Apple watch, and this thing's been giving me some notifications. You know what it just said to me? It says, it looks like you've fallen. So what it says, it says it looks like you've fallen. Are you okay? Can I tell you right now, I'm okay. I need to tell him I did not fall. Okay, here it goes. I did not fall. There we go. Do you have a watch like that? You know, it's like I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> See, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants to make you think you've fallen. You can't get up. He's a liar. You're right. Jesus said, whatever you say, whatever you say to this mountain, you will have. Jesus knows you're going to face mountains. Jesus knows you're going to face giants in your life. And he didn't say to beat them. He said to speak to them. He said to talk to them. And if you want to whoop up on depression and rejection and pressure and any other giants that are tormenting you, you need to start speaking up. You need to start opening up your mouth. You need to quit speaking about what the giant is doing to you. Why don't you start telling the giant what you're going to do to him? David kept hearing from everyone, you can't fight him. You're too young. He's too strong. You're too small. He's too big. He's too experienced. You don't know what to do. No one was saying, no one was no one said what they were going to do to the giant except David. I want you, if you read that whole story, there was nobody said anything of what they were going to do to the giant. Only David was the one. 
He was the only one that used his mouth. And David said, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? In another verse it says, and I will go and I will fight this Philistine. David began, began to declare what he was going to do to the giant. He didn't care what the giant said about him. He didn't care what other people said about him. David had a secret weapon. A secret weapon to fight giants that was bigger than the giant. He had his mouth. Now, some of you here have big mouths, and I say that in the most complimentary way. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? You have big mouths, and you know how to use it. You know how I know that? Because when you're right, you've got words. Come on, am I right about that? When you think you're right, you've got the words to prove it. King Saul questioned David about his fighting ability and about fighting the giant, but David had his mouth. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 17, 33. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go out against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, he said something. He said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it. And delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard. And I struck it and killed it. He said, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, David said, David said. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Look, if there's ever a time to have a big mouth is when you're facing your giant. Verse 43, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But David had a mouth. He had the secret weapon. He had the secret sauce. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, he said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of, of the host, of the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He had a voice. He was using words. He was facing his giants. You need to face your giants. You've been cowering because of your giants. I'm giving you the secret weapon today. Because we're going to defeat some giants tonight. He said, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. Well, that's bold, isn't it? You talk about some words. And this day I will give your carcasses to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I want you to notice something. With his mouth, he began to say what he was going to do. He didn't talk about what the giant was going to do. He started talking about what he was going to do. When are you ever going to quit talking about what's going on in your world, about how much pain you're in, how much you've suffered, how depressed you are, how rejected and lonely you feel, what stress you're under. When, when are you going to quit talking about that and talk about how you're going to overcome your stress? You're going to overcome the pressures of life. You're going to rise up and fight against depression. You're going to reject rejection. When are you going to rise up and start using your voice and using your words?
What you say is what you get. You need to start speaking life and speaking victory and speaking truth because it will come to pass. You know the rest of the story. It came to pass when David rose up. It came to pass. It came to pass. I've had a lot of giants in my life. I've had people come to me and they say, well, Pastor, how are you doing? But then they say, no, really, how are you really doing? You know what I really want to say sometimes? It's, it's hard. I'm tired. I want to quit. I just want to crawl up in a fetal position and suck my thumb. <laughs> I mean, it's there, you know, because we face giants. But I can never get it out of my mouth. It just won't come out of my mouth. I say, you know, it's just light affliction here but for a moment. It's a challenge. That's what I say. It's a challenge. I can do this. I love it. I mean, it's stretching me. This won't last forever. All things will pass away. All things will become new. It's all good. I mean, that's something is stirring my faith. This is stirring my faith. That's what comes out of my mouth. I don't ever talk about my defeat. I always talk about my victory. I don't know why it just comes out of my words. I, I, I let my words defy my giants. And so tonight, that's my little introduction because I want to give you the six confessions of a giant killer. The six confessions of a giant killer. Are you ready? Number one, you need to confess, my smaller victories stir my faith for bigger victories. My smaller victories stir my faith for bigger victories. I want you to notice that David made a strong confession about what God had already helped him to do. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. We just read it. He said, When a lion or bear came to take a lion, I mean a lamb out of the flock, I went after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. But when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard, and I struck and killed it. You know what David was saying? He's saying, you know, I've had some little victories in my life, and I'm not too worried about this giant because the little victory is propelling me to the bigger victory. Listen, if you want to win and beat giants, you've got to have a confession. That confession ought to be, my smaller victories prepare me for the bigger victories. David confessed, I've killed, I haven't killed a giant yet, but I've killed a bear and a lion. For you today, it might be, you know, you You've not gotten totally out of debt, but you're spending less. Haven't been able to buy a house, but I'm in an apartment. Your, your, your smaller victory might be, I, I'm not off all my medication, but I'm feeling better. You see what I'm saying? See, everyone here has had a victory. Come on, how many of you ever had a victory in something in your whole life? Everybody in this sanctuary has had a victory. It's those little victories that propel you. To the bigger victories. Your confession ought to be when you have a giant. I mean, you may not have faced that giant before, but you've faced other things. And you've had victories in them. Isn't that right? You need to remind yourself of things that you've already done and won. That's exactly what David did. He said, I hadn't killed a giant yet, but I've killed a bear and a lion. Same God that strengthened me to do that, he's going to help me to kill this giant. When you declare your past victories, your faith grows for future victories. I've had little victories. Can I tell you what it's done for me? It has stirred me up to say nothing can stop me. I'm talking about the confessions of a giant killer. That's what David did. The giant killer. You've got some giants that need to go. The second confession of a giant killer is God will never leave me to fight giants alone. 
David confessed that God was going to help him. The God that helped him in the past was going to help him in the future. He said, he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David knew that God would not leave him alone to fight. I want you to know tonight that you are not left alone. You are not fighting by yourself. You need to have a confession of a giant killer. Everybody say, God will not leave me alone. Say it again. God will not leave me alone. God is not going to leave you alone to fight the giants in your life. He is with you. And if God is for you, God is for you. Now, do you really believe that or did you just say that because you had it memorized? See, a lot of you just say it because you have it memorized. That's why the giants are eating your lunch. Don't be whining and crying and saying it's impossible. You know, it's always harder before it gets easy. Somebody told me one time, they said it's impossible. I said, well, it might just take me a little longer then. That's just kind of how I think about things. You need to boldly look that giant in the face and say, God is going to deliver me out of this situation because he's not leaving me alone to fight this battle. Now think about the situation you're in right now. God is going to deliver you. I don't say that with a question mark. I say that with an exclamation mark. God is going to deliver you. He will. This is how you defeat Giants, it starts with your words. It's the secret sauce. It's the secret weapon. The third confession is, I come to you in the name. Come on, everybody say that. I come to you in the name. Come on, say it. Well, it's pretty weak, but I think you could get there. I come to you in the name. That, that's the confession. That's the confession of a giant killer. David's confession to the giant was, I come to you in nothing but the name, in the name. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with your sword and your spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. The Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You need a powerful weapon. You know the powerful weapon you have? It's the name. It's the name. Jesus has a powerful name. Paul writes in Philippians, he said in chapter 2, he said, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth, confess his name, declare his name, and call on his name. Nothing can stand against the name. Don't say amen if you're not going to do it. We're talking about the six confessions of a giant. That's what David did to kill the giant. You've got the giants too. He may not be called Goliath, but he's called something else. Confess the name. Anybody ever heard of Lester Summerall? Great man of God. I knew him. He came to our church. When our first church first started, We'd have like 30 people on a Sunday night. He would fly in on his private jet and come and speak in our church. I was so blessed and so honored to know him. Unbelievable. I don't know if you know the story about him, but he was in the Philippines, and there was a woman, there was a girl named Carlita Villanueva. 
She was possessed with demons. I mean, fear gripped Manila. Fear gripped the Philippines. In fact, they took this woman because of the fear of this demon because it would bite her. And you could see the bite marks on her neck and arms and her body with saliva. But there was nothing there. It was demons. And I'm, the, I'm going to tell you, the people of the Philippines were afraid. They put her in Bilidad prison to protect her and to because they didn't know what to do. I mean, every day there was something in the newspaper about this demon. They called it the thing. Lester Summerall was there, and the Lord spoke to Lester Summerall. He said, if you'll go and pray for that girl, I'll deliver her. So he went to Bilibid prison to pray for her. All the media was there, the newspapers. This was back maybe late 50s, early 60s. The newspapers were there. The photographers were there. The, the cameras were there. The reporters were there. He found her sitting on a wooden bench. And he pulled up a chair in front of her, and he said, I've come to deliver you from, from the power of these devils in the name of Jesus. And she began to scream and vomit and retch, and he said he could see teeth marks. And she says, no, 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 it's demons crying out in her. And, I mean, he could see bite marks all over her body and the saliva from the bite marks. I'm telling you, it was demonic. Her body would become rigid and unconscious. He would hold her hand and put her head in his hands. He said, in the name of Jesus. And she would start to retch again and move again and become rigid again and cry out again. No, no, no. This went on for two days. The newspapers were reporting this all over the Philippines. It was a struggle against the powers of darkness and the power of righteousness. And Lester Summerall was in the, in the middle of this deadly conflict as the mouthpiece, mouthpiece of righteousness. He, he was struggling with a giant. It resisted, it fought, it wouldn't relent. Dr. Summerall would say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And after two days, that young girl was delivered. She was set free. The next day in the newspapers in Manila, it says, the thing is dead. That's what they reported. The thing is dead. I believe the mayor of Manila said, Dr. Samara, whatever you want, you can do. He said, I want, to, I want the steps of the capital to speak to the people. And he preached, and I'm telling you, thousands of people got saved. Two years ago, I was in that church, the Cathedral of Praise. It was birthed from that. His nephew, David Summerall, is the pastor. It's a church of 35,000 people. That church uh, was started by him and turned over to uh, Dan Morocco. And Dr. Morocco, our, our senior pastor, is raised there. And that's part of our, our heritage there. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. It's true. When I was there, Dr. Morocco was going to be there a few weeks later. We saw his picture there. You know what I'm talking to you? I'm talking about being a giant killer. In the name. In the name. Lester Shomar was, I, I heard this story at, at another place. They were in a place, he was with a pastor, and there was a, a, a woman that was, they call it auto-writing. She was possessed with demons, and she would just sit there and auto-write prophetic things to people with her eyes closed. And they were standing about 75, 80 feet away, and Dr. Summerall said, watch this. He just said under his breath, in the name of Jesus. And the pen flew out of her hand. They, they went, the, the handlers went and got the pen, put it back in her hand, she kept writing. And he said, 
in the name of Jesus. And that pen flew out of her hand. Can I tell you, there's power in the name. That's the confession of a giant killer. When are you going to be a giant killer? You better have a confession. Words better come out of your mouth. Look, you got a big mouth, use it. I said use it. Use it against those giants in your life. In the name. It's confession. Confess the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Every every demon will bow. Everything in earth, under the earth, around the earth. Everything's going to bow at the name of Jesus. Let me give you the fourth confession. I'm talking about the, the confessions of a giant killer. This is David's confession. Are you ready? Today is the day. Come on, say that with me. Today is the day. You need to have a confession. When it comes to facing giants, you need to set a time. You need to confess a time. Giants don't disappear because you wait or because you delay or you put it off. In fact, they just dig in. David set a time to face the giant. 1 Samuel 17, 46. And David said, this day, The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. David said, this day, this this day, there, there comes a time when you have to face your giant. You need to set a time. Tonight ought to be the night. David it says in verse 20, it says, David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper because it was the day. And he took the things and he went as Jesse, his father, had commanded him, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left the supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came to greet his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistine, and he spoke according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, the giant, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. I want you to see that the day that David faced the giant was just an ordinary day. It was just a regular day. There was nothing special about that day than there was the day before, but he made a time. He set a time. You know, you need to set a time. I've had enough of giants. I'm tired of addictions. I'm tired of rejection. I'm tired of loneliness. I'm tired of stress. I'm tired of pressure. I'm tired of pain. I'm tired of all these things. You need to set a time. You want to be a giant killer? It's all about your mouth. It's the secret weapon. It's the secret sauce. On that ordinary day, God can turn the routine into the amazing. He can take the mediocre and turn it into the unbelievable when you set a time, when you have a day, when you set a time to do something. I believe it's on the day that you finally say, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When you finally say that, I believe in my heart that that the common morphs into the uncommon and the extraordinary. And I believe that the normal uh, gives birth to the outrageous and to the extreme and to the ridiculous. I think that's what happened when you say today is the day. You've got to give God something to work with. But Oh, some of you say, well, tomorrow I'll pray. Tomorrow's a good day. I want you to know that you don't have to wait for an extraordinary day to defeat the giant. 
You know, the days that I've defeated giants were just plain old days. Nothing special about them. You know, we talked about that this morning about when Jesus got in the boat. He says on a certain day, he said, let's just go to the other side. Remember the story we talked about this morning? Just a plain day that the disciples saw the extraordinary. Just an ordinary, average day. There has to be a day of deliverance. David said, I confess it's not tomorrow. It's not next week and it's not next month. Today is the day of deliverance. There has to be a day when you accept your deliverance. What day is that going to be? What day? You know, the Lord says today, he said today is the day of salvation. He didn't say tomorrow, next week. Today, today is the day you get delivered. Today is the day you find your Savior. Today is the day you get rescued. Today. You all know the story of uh, when God's people were in bondage in Israel and God was doing all these incredible miracles, you know, trying to get Pharaoh to release the people. And, you know, there's a famous message preached on this, but there was frogs. Remember the frogs? I mean, every they, everywhere they went, everywhere they stepped, they were stepping on frogs. Frogs in the bed, frogs in the soup, frogs in the salad, frogs in the toilet, frogs everywhere you went. I mean, there were frogs. And finally, the, the Pharaoh had enough, and he said to, to Moses, he said, he said, take the frogs away. And Moses said, when do you want God to take them away? He said, tomorrow. That's so stupid. Why tomorrow? Why didn't he just say today? Today is the day of salvation. Today. Why wait till tomorrow? The frogs can go today. The giants can go today. You need to set a time. You need to set a time. This is the day. Let me give you the fifth concession. David said, I'm going to smite you. Everybody say, I'm going to smite you. Verse 46, this This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you. I will smite you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's big talk. That's a big confession. The giant that's been following you around, the giant that's been breathing down your throat, the one that's making you tremble, you wonder that you're ever going to get free of him. Don't you think it's time to quit listening to what he says? Start telling him what you're going to do. This day, I'm going to be delivered, and I'm going to smite you. I love the word smite. Don't you like that word? I just don't like strike. Strike seems so. I like smite. Smite. Smite doesn't doesn't mean to slap with a hand or on the face. The word smite in the Hebrew means to slaughter. It means to punish, to beat. Instead of the devil chasing you to smite you, why don't you chase him and smite him? You know, I've always said, you ought to be so on fire for God when the devil lands on you, he gets a blister. That's the way I've always thought. Smite, you need to smite him. You know, smite. You know what the, you know what the problem with the church is? You're the church, so you know what your problem is? I'll tell you what your problem is. Your problem is you play defense all the time. We talked about that Saturday morning with some of the men for just a moment. You see, the church has just been playing defense. You don't win games playing defense. You win games by playing offense. You can have the worst defense on the planet, but if you've got a great offense, you're going to win games, right? 
We've just been satisfied with just resisting the devil, and maybe he'll flee, and maybe he'll go. That's not what the Bible says. You need to attack. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. Use your mouth. Use your words. You have a confession. I will smite you. The sixth confession is with my victory, everyone will know there's a God. David said, I'm going to whoop you that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David had strong faith. He had a strong conviction. He had a strong trust that God will fight for him and with him. David's confession was really simple. We have a God in our lives, and we aren't going to let the devils, or we're not going to let the giants into our lives because we have God. He says, with my victory, everyone will know there is a God. His victory would show that there's a God. Look, when you have a victory, when you get delivered from that giant, people are going to say, you're not the same person you used to be. You're not the same person you used to be. You brush your teeth. I was going to say you comb your hair, but I know you brush your teeth. Some of you... Some of you have been battling giants all your lives. There's a commercial on television in Denver. The guy, is, he's an attorney. You probably have attorney commercials on TV here. The guy's name is Brian Bulldog Moore. His middle name, that's kind of the TV thing. Brian Bulldog Moore. He looks haggard, old. I mean, his shirt collar's too big. And he comes on television. He says, I've been fighting insurance companies all my life, and they don't scare me. And I'm thinking, you know what? If Christians could ever get that same attitude. I've been fighting giants all my life, and they don't scare me. I believe it was either Smith Wigglesworth or Kenneth Hagin. During the night, it was awakened by a dark mass. It was a demon. He turned and looked at that demon, and he said, oh, it's just you. He rolled over and went to sleep. You know what? We need to know that with our victory, that there is a God. When you get delivered from your giant, when that addiction falls away, when depression leaves you, when suddenly joy fills your soul, people are going to say, what happened to you? You're going to say, there's a God in my life. And it's a testimony. You see, with my victory, everyone is going to know there is a God. We need to say there's no more room for giants. No more room for giants. All of you know the rest of the story of David. David, as you know, he, he stands in the face of the giants. He makes these six confessions. These are his six confessions. And then without hesitation, you know what he does? He runs toward the giant. I'm sure that shocked the giant. He didn't expect that. Most of us run from the giant. He ran to the giant, sling, swing, flinging the rock, and the mighty hand of God took that rock and guided it directly to the forehead of that giant. Next thing you know, the giant falls flat on his face. David runs over, grabs his sword, and, I mean, cuts his head off, and booyah, it's over. The giant is dead.
The six confessions of a giant killer. It was over. David got exactly what he said. He got exactly what he confessed. Can everybody see their nose? You have to kind of cross your eyes a little bit to see it. I want you to see your nose for a second. Look at your nose. There's a little hole right underneath your nose. It's called your mouth. <laughs> you know what I want you to do? I want you to start making your confessions. Giants have been living long enough in your life. Here's what we're going to do. I don't know what the pastor wants to do, but here's what I'm going to do. You got a giant you need to get rid of? Get out of your seat and come up here right now. You're tired of giants. I don't care what they are. Maybe it's depression, rejection, loneliness, stress, pressures in life, trouble with finances, trouble in your marriage, trouble in something. I want you to get out of your chair. Come on right now. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make our confessions. We're getting rid of giants tonight. Father, tonight we're getting rid of giants in our life. They're going to go in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. The little victories we've had in our life are going to give us the bigger victories. It's going to stir us up. Lord, that we're not going to fight these giants alone. You're with us. You're always with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us, even to the ends of the earth. Come on, that's your confession. I'm not fighting alone. I'm not fighting alone. Thank you, Father. Won't you say, I come in the name of Jesus. Come on, tell your giant right now, I come in the name. I come in the name. I come in the name. I come in that great, mighty name. Won't you say today is going to be the day? I'm not waiting till tomorrow. Today I'm getting rid of that giant. I've had enough giants in my life. I'm tired of him slapping me around. I'm slapping him around. It's over. It's over. Tonight I'm going to smite you. Tonight I'm going to strike you. Tonight I'm going to destroy you. Tonight I'm going to punish you. Come on, make it your confession tonight. I've had enough. Today is my victory. I'm going to win. I'm going to win with my victory. Everyone's going to know that there is a God. There is a God in my life. There is a God in my life. People are going to see a change in me. They're going to see a change in my circumstances. They're going to say, what has happened to you? And you're going to say, it's because of my God. My God. My God. My Lord. My Savior. It's my God who's done it. Everyone is going to know it's the Lord who's done it. The victory is mine, says the Lord. The victory is mine, says the Lord. Father, we thank you that tonight giants are being defeated. We thank you, Lord God, that giants are falling. We thank you that tonight, Lord God, we're going to take his head. Lord, we're going to take his head. He's going to, he's going to go. He's down. It's over. The bully is gone. The bully is no longer going to destroy us. He's no longer going to torment us. He's no longer going to speak those words in our mind or in our ear. He's not going to breathe down our neck or down our throat anymore. It's over. I said it's over. Come on, why don't you believe right now it's over? Lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, it's over. It's over. I've got my victory. I've got my victory. I've got my victory. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on right now and touch everybody. Touch them, Lord Jesus. Touch them, Lord Jesus. Touch them, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Come on, right now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Come on. Receive what God is doing right now. Come on, Minister Micah. Come on, Holy Spirit. You can do it, Lord Jesus. Come on. We, we have the name. We have the power in the name. We've got our confession. Words, Lord God. Words. Words, Lord God. The Victory right now. The secret weapon. Come on, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Victory. This is how I find my
on, we're giant killers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mountain movers. Wonderful, wonderful. If you would find a seat, please. Thank you so much. If you can return to your seat, we want to take care of a very important aspect in our service of blessing our guests. Ushers, would you assist us, please? Let's go ahead and receive the love offering for our guests. They're going to be catching a plane tonight. Powerful, powerful message. Come on, use that secret sauce. I love that. Speak to the mountain. Speak to your giants. Job, decree a thing, it shall be established. Book of Numbers, the very words I heard you say, that I will do. Come on, some of you need to use the secret sauce, not the stinky sauce, the secret sauce. You must to proclaim curses over your life and how you ain't going to make it. No, you're going to make it. Come on, someone say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to more than make it. I'm going to take over. Glory to God. I'm the head, not the tail. Thank you, Jesus. What a great word. God's raising up a generation of giant killers. far to let you die. He didn't teach you how to swim to let you drown. Come on, God's on your side. Actually, the truth is, he stands before you like he stood before Joshua. Joshua said to the captain of the host, you're with us, you're for us or against us? And he said, no. The captain of the Lord's army, some people believe it's a theophany, a visible manifestation of Jesus. But he said, no. Didn't fit in any of Joshua's categories. The answer is, see, God's not on your side. You need to be on God's side. And when you're walking with him, then you just you just overcome all the days of your life. Come on, ushers, would you come? And then we're going to sing this song once more and one more time and make some declarations about mountains being moved. And we'll close in prayer. What a powerful, powerful, giant slaying message. You get something from God tonight? Don't you miss Wednesday night. Dr. James Morocco will be with us at one night only. It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss that. I'll be back in the pulpit next weekend. Looking forward to it. God's speaking to me. A whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be great. Awesome. You ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the wearers. Thank you for the gift that they are to the body of Christ. Thank you for the anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-lifting anointing that's been released all day today. We pray, God, that you would bless them and that you would elevate them and that you would make a way for them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for for uh, inroads and greater levels of influence even in the United States. I thank you for books to be written. I thank you, Lord, for the elevation and promotion of, of the Lord. And, and I feel and a sense the Lord saying to you, my son, I've encouraged you to write the, write the book. There's a new book that's stirring on the inside of you. It so needs to be written because my people need to hear it and pastors need to hear it. There's a wealth of wisdom that's on the inside of you. 
And in humility, you'll write that book and God will use it to touch and change the lives of many across denominational lines. Write the book, says the Lord. Make it plain. Write it out. Make it plain. I'll make a way for you. There's a unique thing. You've written books before, have you? One, I, I, I sense this, that there's a new way of, uh, of publishing that. It's going to be a little bit different than some of, the, some of the things you've seen. And through that, through the wisdom and selection of a right proper publisher is going to be released in a way that the Lord really wants it. So I just submit that for your judgment. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Bless it. Multiply this offering a hundred times. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. I've seen you move. You move the mountain. And I believe. You know he's going to do it again. I've seen We never want to close a service because we don't know if this is maybe your last or maybe my last service. We, we, we don't know. I mean, we, we're just going to, you know, hope that week after week and year after year keeps coming and we declare the blessing of God. But man is given but one life to live and after that, the judgment. You're here tonight. This might be your last service. I don't, I don't know. No man knows. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this, this place in the condition that you're in. Give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or if you need to recommit because you drifted and you've got compromise in your life, you want to get right with God, do that tonight. Is there anybody here with every head bowed, every eye closed, people praying, you want to get right with Jesus for the first time? Or you want to make a recommitment because you drifted and you want to come home? You want to come home tonight to Jesus? Or maybe the devil lies to you thirdly and you're just not sure if you're saved. You want to be sure. You fit in any of those categories, giving your heart to Jesus for the first time. Number two, recommitting, coming home, selling the farm, getting right, repenting of your compromise. Or number three, being assured of your salvation. If you fit in any of those categories, those online, those here under the sound of my voice, here in the congregation, if that's you, on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, my, my, my. God bless you, God bless you. I see that hand, God bless you. Thank you for your honesty, God bless you. 
Thank you. I see that hand all the way in the back. God bless you online, perhaps. God bless you. Come on, let's, let's pray this prayer right out loud. And, and those of you that are walking with the Lord, come on, you affirm your faith. You just make that declaration right now. Come on, say it with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Put your hands together for God one more time. Hallelujah. Before we close, Minister Ava, do you have your team ready? All right, good. We've got, we've got a, a presbytery team, a prayer team that's going to come up front right now, and I'm going to close in prayer, and you feel free to just go on home, drive safely. We'll hope to see you Wednesday night with Dr. Morocco. If you're not able to make that, we'll hope to see you next weekend. God is good. He's doing so many amazing things. He really is. Amen. Let me bless you. And then if you want prayer, you want some ministry, you just come up. We've got a team up here and they'll, they'll flow in the Holy Ghost and minister to you. Wow. Come on one more time. Won't we put our hands together for our, our guests and for Jesus, all that he's doing in our lives. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill these and touch them and use us. Lord, give us divine assignments, Lord, all week and divine appointments all week long. Use us mightily, God, to share about the good news that's within our lives, that we would have reason for the hope that lies within us, that we'd be instant in and out of season. Give us divine appointments at Fred Myers at gas stations all around the valley, that we would boldly, Lord, declare the good things of God, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Release a holy boldness upon us, God, to share, to witness, to see people one to Christ, and to see darkness and infirmity banished, Lord, from your people here in Alaska and every place that we go. We thank you for what you've done this weekend. Bless your people, God. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.